Welcome to the Lend Academy podcast, episode number 231. This is your host, Peter Renton, founder of Lend Academy and co-founder of the Lend at Fintech conference. Today's episode is sponsored by Lendit Fintech USA, the world's largest fintech event dedicated to lending and digital banking. It's happening on May 13th and 14th, 2020 at the Javits Center in New York. Lending and banking are converging and Lendit Fintech immerses you in the most important trends of the day. Meet the people who matter, learn from the experts and get business done. Lendit Fintech, lending and banking connected. Go to lendit.com USA to register. Today on the show, I'm delighted to welcome Anu Schultes. She is the CEO of LendUp. Now, LendUp is a company that uh, many regular listeners would know. They're a short-term lender and have we've had their former CEO, Sasha Orloff, on the show a couple of times. But I wanted to get Anu on the show. She's been in the job about a year, and you know, we talk about the, the big change that LendUp made a year ago where they split off the credit card business. We talk about the, the reasoning behind that. You know, we talk about the business today, who their core customer is, how they position their business. What about the process that they do and how they help borrowers sort of move up the credit spectrum? Uh, we talk about their underwriting model in some depth and how Anu feels about the engagement with regulators. And uh, we talk about the funding and uh, what's next for LendUp. It was a fascinating interview. I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the podcast, Anu. Thank you, Peter, for having me. Of course, my pleasure. So I'd like to get these things started by giving the listeners some background. You've, you've had a, a pretty interesting career to date. So maybe you could give us some of the highlights before you got to LendUp. Yeah, absolutely. So I actually have a computer engineering degree from India. And then I came, so I immigrated to the U.S., came here for a master's degree. So I have a couple of different master's degrees. I have a master's in operations research my, I started my career actually at Providian, right? So it's kind of like the Providian and Capital One were the two. At the time, they were called the non-bank banks. Right. I spent almost uh, nine years at Providian. Uh, I was very fortunate to start my career at Providian because it was uh, basically run by engineers. You know, it was a company full of engineers. It was data-driven meritocracy. And I really kind of cut my teeth on just understanding lending um, mm-hmm. and kind of using my background to really, how do you use data to make decisions that ultimately benefit the customer and the company is where that's where I learned. Right. Actually, my very first project, I always talk about this because people are always surprised. My very first project at Pavilion was to build the internal pre-screen score. So I built a basically our internal FICO huh. uh, score, if you will. Right. Uh, so I actually come from a very technical background but I've deliberately managed my career. It's a combination of me uh, making intentionally managing my career as well as happenstance. I've actually started in analytics and, you know, on the credit risk management side, moved into marketing and operations for Providian. So by the time I left nine years later, I was the VP in charge of running front-end operations for the U.S. prime business. Mm-hmm. Um, I know they were known more for their, you know, uh, more of a subprime credit, but they're Bread and butter was actually the super prime business. Interesting. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I left Providian on my own because I 
well, my husband had a job in the East Coast. I moved into, went to Ohio, got an MBA in corporate finance, and then I ended up managing products for a super regional bank called National City. It doesn't exist anymore. It's not part of PNC. Mm-hmm. I managed the home equity line of credit portfolio. So I kind of continued to evolve my career. You know, my goal was to ultimately be a GM and one day be CEO. So I actively kind of said, okay, what are the areas that I need to, in my own way, master? And so that's kind of what I've done over the last, you know, 25 years. I would say the first half of my career was all about lending, right? Credit card, super prime, home equity line of credit, you know, understanding both the credit side as well as the profitability side of lending. The second half of my career, starting in 2007, has been all about underserved. I had a little detour when I worked at Home Shopping Network in Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I came back to California in 2007, I actually joined this company called Account Now that did prepaid cards for the underserved. Yep. And it was a small company, but we were, you know, the third leading. We were the leading online prepaid company behind Green Dot and NetSpan. The industry itself was very nascent. I think Green Dot was only three years old. And so it was a great opportunity for me to really jump in and make some substantial progress on how to retain this customer, how do you provide value to this customer. But in that process, I actually ended up spending time with customers in person. And it really hit me hard on so many people, even if they have a decent income, say 40000 50000 struggle on a day-to-day basis, even with just access to financial tools. So it really changed my opinion on, on my personal view on how I want to spend my career and what are the things I want to do. So mm-hmm. it was pretty, you know, it was a great opportunity because it was founded by Expovidian folks and I didn't have to prove myself when I came in the door, but also gave me the freedom to kind of explore how do you really make this customer, how do you provide products for them that make them feel dignified, give them access that we all take for granted. And so since then, I've spent most of my time, if not all, on building products for the underserved and really focused on financial inclusion. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then, so what specifically attracted you to LendUp? Uh, it sounds like you, you, you've been there for uh, for two and a half years now. What was what was the thing that first attracted you? Yeah, so I had you know built a financial services business for another company called Blackhawk, and then I kind of stepped away from it because they didn't want to focus on financial inclusion, and I was just doing a startup with someone I knew on gifting. It just kind of fell into it. But my heart has been in financial inclusion. So when I got a call from LendUp, you know, it was through a recruiter. He didn't even know what position it was for. I was just say, hey, are you interested in LendUp? And I kind of said, yes. And even before <laughs> I knew there was a job. <laughs> so I came and talked to Sasha and, you know, his COO. And they were saying, hey, we have this great business. We have a credit card business, but we really need somebody we're very focused on credit card, but we need somebody to come in and, you know, really take on the loans business, which has been our bread and butter, but we need somebody to really who understands fundamentals of running a business to come and manage it. Okay. And so for me, it was sort of a no brainer, right? Because I've been, for me, mission is, the mission is what brought me here. And I 100% believe that the loans business in general within LendUp was delivering on that mission. And I did not, you know, hesitate at all to give up my CEO at a, their company to come in and be a GM and focus on the product that I felt like truly makes a difference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure, and you know, obviously, regular listeners will know Sasha Sasha Orloff. He's uh, he's been on the show a couple of times actually over the years. So I want to go back to the the point where this was 
about a year ago now when you became CEO and, you know, LendUp split in two and you, you know, sold off the, the credit card business. So can you just maybe give the, the thought process behind, you know, splitting off the, off the businesses in two and then why focus just on the, on the loans? Yeah, so if you, you know, we have obviously loans has been around, you know, longer than cards for LendUp. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sasha and his bro- uh, stepbrother Jake created loans first. And, you know, we have figured out product market fit, truly delivers on the mission. And then, of course, they started the card business. If you think about it, fundamentally, they're two different businesses, right? So small dollar loans is a very capital efficient business. Uh, it's definitely high interest rate, right? So there's a certain kind of investors look at it a certain way. Credit cards, on the other hand, is a very capital intensive business. And the investors that are attracted to it are different, right? So the credit card, which is now mission name, but the land of credit card was, you know, a sub 36% interest rate, um, but a very, very capital intensive. So when I think of that, you know, that model, we basically almost like have a bimodal company, right? We have two businesses with the same mission, but going about it entirely differently. Mm-hmm. So I think the outcome of having two companies focused on the same mission but both basically attracting a different group of investors is probably the best outcome we could have had. Right. Right? The reality is, yes, would we want to just be the one company and you know be the larger company? Absolutely. I mean, I'm sure Sasha would say that's what that was his vision. His vision was to create a lot of you know products and be an ecosystem of products. But the reality is, the loans and cards are fundamentally different products mm-hmm. and attract different investors. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so then let's fast forward to today. What? How? When you're just telling people who haven't heard of LendUp before, how do you describe LendUp today? So I describe LendUp as a mission-driven company focused on helping customers get on a path to better financial health. We are focused primarily on an underserved customer. We are here to help them with the income volatility that they face uh, every month, Mm -hmm. help educate them on how to get on a better path and ultimately help them improve their, you know, credit, credit score. But our mission is really to help them get on, on a path to better financial health. And that's pretty much what we do every single day. That every decision I make and every, almost every person we hire into the company mission we all revolve around the mission on is it the right thing for this consumer mm-hmm, mm-hmm, sure so you know it's, it's been a year since you took over as ceo and you you know you you obviously you came in you, you'd been to the company a little bit by that stage so i'm interested to maybe you could tell the listeners what what changes you've made over the past 12 months at lindup yeah absolutely so you know when i I obviously had an interesting path getting here. I came in as GM of heads down, kind of focused on how do I make the loans business, you know, profitable. How do how do I extend on the successes that Sasha and Jake had created? How do I get more value out of the business? And so when I took over as CEO, it was sort of a I was not expecting that to happen when I came to end up that you know even though I had a long term goal of being a CEO, that's not something that I had thought was going to happen in the near future. So when I took over, I kind of, you know, went back to the basics on what's important to the LendUp customer and what's important to the LendUp employee, including myself. And so we kind of focused on community, culture, and then really forging the path 
for the future of Landa, right? Mm-hmm. So what I mean by that is, first thing I did, I know, is uh, it was cost-driven, but also thought through, you know, we actually moved from San Francisco to Oakland. Right. And it may seem like, you know, what's, you know is that really that big a change? It is, right? So especially for our core employee who most of them um, live, at least lived in San Francisco, it was a big change. You would think it's not that big a change because it's only like 10, 10 miles, you know, on right. east of San Francisco. But it brings us closer to some of our early stage investors. Our core customer is, in, you know, Oakland has more of our customers uh, than San Francisco. But also just I felt that, you know, picking a community where we can really start spending time with community leaders and make an you know, make a difference beyond just our products was important to me. Right. But to be clear, it was actually a cost-driven, mm-hmm. you know, it was, it was a decision driven by cost. Uh, second is culture, right? So focus on, for me personally, it's a focus on people. So that includes our customer as well as our employees. So I'm very focused on people who come here and join the company, especially in Silicon Valley to recruit people, you know, in a very competitive job market to get people to come into a mission-driven company. I mean, it takes, you know, a lot of they take a leap of faith on the mission is more important to them than perhaps you know being in a fast growth unicorn ready company Mm -hmm. and so we focus on how do we create products that fundamentally help us deliver on the mission both to our current customer but also broadly right today i'm not sure if you're aware we are obviously state-by-state state business and we are only in a minority of states in the U.S. So I'm always thinking about how do I expand my reach in the U.S., right. but also within the states we're in, how do I expand my reach with the customer and provide them just more than one thing, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What we do well, what we already do well, and obviously you're very uh, familiar with the Lenda products, is we focus on giving them a small-dollar loan but it's backed by financial education. We're going to hold their hand and get them up, you know, up, up our lend-up ladder with higher amounts and lower rates, ultimately culminating in an um, installment loan that can be credit supporting and help them improve their credit score. But I really want to also have been thinking about what does the future look like, right? I mean, that the reality is that, and this is where I'm kind of bearing off into what is the path for the future of lend-up. We know, you know, payday lending, right? We, whether we want to call us that or not, as far as regulators are considered, the U.S. as a payday lender, it is not, you know, one of our uh, investors and board directors would say it's not, a, you know, it's not a sanitized term, right? Payday lending. Right. So definitely there's a hesitation about, hey, are you guys, you know, are you guys doing right by the customer? Are you predatory? And then you have competitors, and I know you've had many of them on your podcast, right? Like Dave.com, where they're offering overdraft, but it's in, it is in the end of the day, right? It's filling the same name. So thinking through how do we extend, extend our set of products, also look at where our competition is coming from. It's not coming from other companies like us. It's coming from newer companies that are approaching it differently, whether it's Dave.com or Earnin or even, right? Uh, more of a wage advance to employer. So looking at all that and saying, what is the right set of products that we should be focused on? So 2019 has been about, you know, kind of resetting, right? Because we went from two businesses to one. Mm-hmm. Refocus on the mission and the culture of getting in the right people in the door and also setting us up for future, right? What does 2020 and beyond look like in terms of the type of products we should be investing in? 
Right. So does that does that mean that you know you talked about some of those companies that offer you know like an earned wage access type product? That uh, does that mean that's a possibility down the road for LendUp? It could be. We are. You know, I would. The reason, like, I don't have a firm answer for you. What I can tell you is that, you know, being in a state by state licensing model is. It's limited. It's on the one hand, it's a you know, it's a competitive advantage or it's like a barrier to entry, right? Right. For new companies who want to do that. On the other hand, it's limiting in that, you know, getting into all fifty states with licenses not only is a laborious process, but you start to look at the you know, you have to look at diminishing returns as you get into the smaller states, or you know, it depends on the regulation the different state by state. And then I'm also looking at you have all these competitors coming in, kind of from a different angle. And you have the third thing in the marketplace where I think a lot of consumers are getting very comfortable with the subscription model, right? People seem to be fine paying for Spotify or for, you know, even for financial products or non-financial products, right. the concept of paying 5 to $10 for a service, but every month people seem to be okay with, right? So I definitely feel like it's something that I cannot ignore, mm-hmm. right? When I'm looking at set of products, but at the same time, I also feel like what we do today, Peter, no one else is doing, right? No one's giving a super underserved customer. And I say super underserved because I know you're going to probably get into it later, but our customer is like 550 Vantage score, right? They don't really have that many options. And so, and a lot of them don't have money in savings, which I know most Americans don't have $400 in savings, savings but our customers, 85% of them report that they have, you know, they have income volatility. So we are like the stop gap. Right? right. So no one else is doing a three hundred dollar loan. As competitors doing five hundred or more or fifteen hundred, right? And the overdraft is usually around hundred. So I'm very aware of the fact that we can look at all these other models and they might be more attractive or they seem like there's a lot of traction. The regulatory, you know, scrutiny there is still unclear where that might go. But the reality is the product we have, no one else is doing. So right. my what I'm thinking through is is there a way I can extend the set of products we have to all 50 states? Does that mean do, does that mean I have to go to a subscription model? That would be would that be easier, right? So and then what does that mean for the underwriting? Because you know most overdrafts only do hundred dollars. It's a lot easier to take that risk than to say three hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. So that's all. So I would say it's all in the you know think of like where all of our thought process, myself and my executive team, are very deep in thought process on how do we extend our products to the maximum number of customers possible? Right, right. So maybe we could just take a step back and talk about the experience of the borrowers that are coming to LendUp. Can you just sort of describe the process, particularly I'm talking about new customers uh, that you have that you don't know. How's the, what's the process like when they take out a loan? So, you know, so we are 100% digital. So customers find us online, um, either through our, you know, online marketing or through our affiliates and they can actually apply for it. It's, it only takes a few minutes. They can apply for the loan. They can select their, the term they want to pay, right? It's a, the entry level product is a, you know, up to 30 or 35 day loan, uh, it's a single payment. And we have our, it's all hundred percent online. It's, you know, instant decisioning. We have our proprietary underwriting models that use alternate data sources. Um, and they'll know immediately what they qualify for and how quickly they can get it. Okay. So okay. A- yeah, it sounds like it's it's like I'm on the website right now, and the range I see is a hundred to two hundred and fifty-five dollars, and so that that's the typical 
the typical range that you that, that everyone gets? Yeah, 255 is the California limit. So it's, it's slightly different by state. We're in right. seven states. And so, you know, the system will automatically, based on what state you're in, offer you, if you're, you know, functioning in that state, it'll offer you the, the maximum. It'll give you a range, right. the maximum set to the state. And then you can pick the, the amount and then the actual term when you will pay back. Right, right. Okay, so then what, what data you, are you using for these people to you know to underwrite you know they're coming to you digitally you've talked about their you know that these are these are subprime borrowers with low credit scores what how do you decide whether or not to extend the loan right so we have actually over you know the last seven years since london was created really honed in on our one of our core competencies and our secret sauce is our underwriting model Mm -hmm. so we use alternate credit bear data scores you know, our ultimate credit bear data and build our own underwriting uh, models uh, that provide the instant decisioning. So uh, you probably, you know, most companies like us use them, the factor trust, is clarity, and of course, all of these have been scooped up by the three major credit bureaus, and now they're all just part of the larger credit bureaus. But mm. our bread and butter would be the alternate data, right? There's the inquiry data, there's the ability to pay, uh, but as you can imagine, since our customers are all in a very small band of FICO, FICO by itself is not predictive and helping us underwrite, you know, decide who will pay us back and who will not. Right, right. So then the, when you talk about alternative data, can you give us some examples of the of the different um, types of data that you use? So, you know, I think there are inquiries for, like, for example, Factor Trust, right? It's uh, now owned by TransUnion. They track uh, inquiry data, not just for mainstream, because our customers typically don't have credit cards. 98% of our customers do not have a credit card. They track, for example, inquiries for other products. It could be payday loans, you know, other, it could be rent payments. So it's basically, you know, as this industry has evolved and has all these different data sources outside of what might be the mainstream FICO, that's what gets fed into our model. Right, right. Okay. Okay, so then... What are you doing? I mean, you, you, like, how do people move up the lend-up ladder? Obviously, they pay. You know, they obviously have to if they pay on time. I mean, someone who comes in and takes out a you know a two hundred and fifty dollar loan and you know pays it off on time, and they come back to you, you know, a month later or two months later, are they are they going to get a better deal or how does it? Just explain the process of moving up the ladder. Yeah, so our core premise is that, you know, we are here to help the customer. So they we kind of encourage them to take the the courses online that are more teach them about how to manage their credit. The core premise is, you know, you you take a loan from us, you pay it back. You might if you're not able to pay it back, all you have to do is call us and we will help you with adjusting your payment date and we don't charge additional fees for that Mm -hmm. and then once you're fully paid off the first one you can take another loan we you know we differentiate ourselves from our our typical payday lender and that there's no rollovers so if you're not able to pay back we'll work with you until you can pay us back and uh, and work with you to pay us back but until you pay us back you cannot apply for another loan on the flip side once you have paid us back it's a very quick you know you come back and you apply again so it's a very Customers actually love us, right? So we have 95% of our customers come back. We have a very strong brand 
equity with our customers because they know we're a trusted source that we look out for them. Mm-hmm. As they stay with us and we gather their, you know, their their internal, their behavior with our accounts actually gets fed back into the model and that drives our pricing decisions. And so as they stay with us longer, they can qualify for slightly larger amounts and slightly lower rates. So it actually, you know, driven by the customer because there's no timeline in which you automatically qualify. It kind of depends on how many loans you've taken with us, how have you behaved with us. Uh, but typically, you know, once you've qualified with us, the chances that you'll qualify again are very high. Right. And so just to be clear then, if you if you keep paying off on time, and do you eventually qualify for an instalment loan rather than a single payment loan? That's right. So it, it typically, you know, I would say takes over 12 months, but you, you can eventually qualify for an installment loan. And even that, we start out smaller. You know, we might start out with a $500 loan with just, you know, two or three payments before we ultimately, our maximum loan is a $1,000 loan and our maximum term is 12 months. Okay. And so our, and then at the, at the top of the ladder or, you know, we kind of, I'm kind of trying to also think past the ladder concept, but the goal is really to progress the customer, right? Whether you call it a ladder or not, it's about progressing them on their credit journey, if you will. Mm-hmm. They have a choice to either pick a credit reporting loan or not, because we want to make sure the customer is ready. Right? Once they take an installment loan and they pick the credit reporting option, we are obliged to report it, their behavior to the credit bureaus. And so we want to make sure that they are consciously making that choice to pick that loan. Right, right. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. So you, you, you've touched on this, but I, I, I want to just get your feedback on the regulatory activity that, that's been happening, that the small dollar loan space has uh, you know, been in the news uh, in your state, of the state of California, uh, quite a lot. It's also, you know, there's been, you know, there's been talk, uh, continues to be talk in Washington about it. So how are you engaging with the regulators? Yeah, so, you know, I would say that on, on one hand, I want to just start off by saying I'm, I'm very pro-regulation because fundamentally I'm pro-consumer. So I feel like regulation exists for a reason. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm also very focused on regulatory innovation. So to that end, we actually are very actively engaged with both state and federal regulators. Um, on the state side, I know there's been a lot of activity in California recently. I mean, you know, December timeframe. A lot of that actually, you know, because we're so focused on the small dollar, like 300 to 1,000, we're not as impacted by a lot of the changes. Right? Because right. the small dollar loans have been always been heavily regulated by California. Right? We have very strict terms on the maximum we can charge for an installment loan based on the term. And so that's already been in place. The newer regulations actually impact our competitors who've been focused on the larger amounts, right? Like 2,500 and more. Right. And so... That's kind of also, you know, one of the things I wanted to call out is that when I think about, you know, you'd asked me earlier, what, how do you represent LendUp? One of the things that stands out to me is that very few companies out there that are even in the same space are offering the really super small dollar loans that we are doing, right? So we've already been in a super regulated space, so that's not, this is something that we have gotten really good at. But I have a very strong senior executive team. You know, my head of compliance is a former regulator, with 30 years experience in the space. And my chief legal officer is also a very seasoned uh, GC and chief legal officer. And so we actively engage both uh, in DC as well as locally. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Okay. And then I'm just curious about what metrics could you share that obviously you've got uh, the, the repayment rate of, of the loans is a, is a key metric. And uh, what are the metrics that you share that uh, you look at to determine success at LendUp? So the, you know, the for-profit company, I kind of have to focus on at the high level, right? Profit and loss and EBITDA and net income. But on a, you know, from a customer-centric perspective, we do look at how many customers are we serving? What is the retention rate, right? Month over month or not even month over month. How many times if a customer walks in the door and qualifies for the first loan, you know, how long do they stay with us? Their, their lifetime with us, we look at, are we helping them? Are we actually delivering on our mission to get them on a path to better financial health? We look at, are we improving their credit scores? Uh, we find that, you know, over two years, 62% of our customers do get an improvement. 62% of the, I should qualify. 62% of the customers who qualify for our you know, larger loans actually see their credit scores go by 50 points or more. So mm-hmm. those are all things from, a, you know, we call them the social impact metrics. We have our business metrics. We have our, you know, I would say like the, the P&L metrics. We have the core you know, the business healthy metrics in terms of customer retention, you know, what is the cost is to acquire a customer, things of that nature. But then there's also a set of social impact metrics we track to really say, tell, you know, show for ourselves, are we doing our job that we set out to do? Right, right. Okay, well, we're almost out of time, but just a couple more questions before I let you go. Just let's talk briefly about the the funding of these loans. Obviously, these are short term loans, so it's 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 not as and then they paid off in full, not as capital intensive as you mentioned earlier as a credit card, but still requires significant capital to to, to run your business. Uh, could you just just tell the listers how you're how you're funding the loans today? Yeah, so our funding it primarily debt with a little bit of equity. So we do have a you know line of credit to mm-hmm. fund the loans. And then as part of that, we're required to put up a small percentage equity. Um, And, you know, you're absolutely right. It's a very capital efficient business with a very, with a very reasonably sized line of credit, right? I mean, since inception, we've uh, given out more than $2 billion in loans. So Mm -hmm. small dollar, short-term loans, you know, we could do a lot with a little bit of capital. Right, right. We do carry it on our balance sheet. For sure. Okay, so, and then as you, you know, we're here recording this in uh, early January. Uh, what, is, what are your goals for LendUp for 2020? So, you know, one of the things I want to, I think I covered a little bit of this before. I think 2019 was really kind of getting the, the right team in place. You know, I have a, I'm very proud of the senior executive team that I've been able to put together. It's a very diverse and deeply experienced team. And so for me, 2020 is about evolving LendUp into the next decade, right? So how do we extend on our successes? How do we take the, you know, deep passion that I have and my team to really help this customer and extend the product set beyond what we are doing? And so the focus definitely is how can we become a national, right? How can we be available nationally, I guess is the right way to say it. And what are the set of products that we should be looking at to fundamentally help this customer? Financial health by itself, right, is top of mind for us, but it's so complex. I don't think, I think it takes more than, it takes a village, right, to help this customer. And so I'm very aware that this is not a journey that Lendup can do alone. So we definitely, you know, are looking at 
what partnerships will help us get there, right? We already uh, work closely with Financial Health Network and the Aspen Institute. Mm -hmm. We have a partnership with EARN to provide savings products. But definitely, you know, top of mind is if you want to deliver on our mission, it's going to take it's going to take more than just a set of products we have. We have to navigate the regulatory environment as it you know shifts with the new entrants as well, and then to expand the reach, we have to look at partnerships that will take us into more than where we are. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's uh, that's fascinating, and um, yeah, I wish you all the best, Anu, and uh, thank you very much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to talk to you, and you know, I definitely am a big fan of your podcast, but also the London conference. So I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. Okay, fantastic. Well, uh, we'll hopefully see you there. And thanks again, Anu. See ya. Thank you. You know, being in the small dollar loan space and and operating in an honourable way, in a way that is has the customer's best interest at heart, is it's not an easy place. It's not an easy business to to execute, and it's also not easy to have your customers be delighted. And you know, you go onto LendUp's homepage, you see that their Trust Pilot score is four point eight out of five stars, and that's with twenty three hundred reviews. That's very very difficult to game the system with that sort of thing. Clearly their customers are delighted with them and lend up are helping them improve their financial well-being and i think that you know rather than talk about you know blunt instruments like interest rate caps or or other other regulatory methods that are designed to help the underserved we really should be looking at outcomes and i think that's that's what a, a trust pilot school like that tells me is that the outcomes here are, are mostly positive so I, I applaud anu and the team at lend up for for continuing to to blaze a trail there anyway on that note i will sign off i very much appreciate you listening and i'll catch you next time bye Today's episode was sponsored by Lendit Fintech USA, the world's largest fintech event dedicated to lending and digital banking. It's happening on May 13th and 14th, 2020 at the Javits Center in New York. Lending and banking are converging and Lendit Fintech immerses you in the most important trends of the day. Meet the people who matter, learn from the experts and get business done. Lendit Fintech, lending and banking connected. Go to lendit.com slash USA to register.